podcast producer in the game named Jordan Klein. Yeah, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show presented by Prize Picks. Apologies in advance. Well, in delay, actually. We're late. We had some technical difficulties, but we're here, and that's all that matters now. Well, we're happy to have you with us and uh, out of the way first. I'm Dave Locker and at Lafayette underscore D on the Twitters, joined by Matt Kajeski at Matt underscore Kajeski, G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I. I've been doing this now because I thought to myself, some people listen to this in podcast form, and maybe they'd love to follow Matt. Maybe they'd love to follow me at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And our boy Eric Link was back from his honeymoon, looking rejuvenated, feeling good, tied that knot, flash in the ring, L-I-N-D-Q-U-I-S-T, at Eric Linquist on Twitter. <laughs> What's good, brother? Glad to have you back, man. Dude, it's great to be back. I mean, Hawaii was a lot of fun. No question about that. Uh, I'm just I'm just excited to be here once more. I, it, it felt like a long time ago we were talking some NFL DFS. I feel like I haven't been on the show, I think, for two weeks. And so it's good to be uh, having the band back together. And, of course, it's nice to recommend Odell Beckham Jr. for the first time in my life and have it come to fruition. So, Matt Kachewski, thank you for making me the Odell Beckham Whisperer. Dude, you are. You are. I've been trying to play that guy all year long to no avail in the week. You, every single week you're telling me, dude, you can't play Odell Beckham. You can't play him. I'm like, well, let's just at least try it out. And it never works. But the one time you come on town again, boom, 50-yard touchdown. Some yeah. of us are really, really good at our jobs, Matt. That's really what it is. Yeah, yeah props to you. You got me on him. So I, I got to say thanks. I played a little bit of Odell Beckham. Uh, against my my better judgment, I've been doing it all year. So I kind of took this stand. I'm never going to play Odell Beckham again. And then I hear you talking about I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? We're going to throw some in there. And then it paid off. So thank you. You're so welcome. It's um, it's one of those things where, like Miles Sanders, for me, the moment oh. I stopped talking about him, 200 yards, three touchdowns. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, coming. so coming. I told, I've to- I told people yesterday on the first look show with Ben and, and Jordan Vanek, uh, Eric, that I probably won't play him this week, but everybody else should, because you just know that if he plays against the Jets, you know, what's you know, what's coming eventually it's happening. It's just, it's hard to predict. And Nick Sirianni would rather force feed Jalen Rager and Boston Scott. You know? Yeah. The Boston Scott thing has gotten a little bit out of control. I mean, this is, this has become the most frustrating situation that I can possibly remember. Anybody watching football, anybody who has any kind of a brain can see Miles Sanders is the superior runner. He's the superior player. But why are we not? I, I don't know. I'm going to play him again this week, so I don't really care. Um, I'm going to fire him up. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I say I won't just to quell yeah. people's fears, but of course I'm <laughs> playing Miles Sanders this week. Yay! Especially if Garner Minshew's in there. Oh, man. I don't know, Matt. It's tough. Matt Riley says that shit's never coming. <laughs> All right, fella. Sit on the sidelines. To be fair, keep collecting cash. And I'll <laughs> yeah, I say, yeah, he's he's talking on his tower of money, and we're just like <laughs> down here in the doldrums. Uh, I think he's doing better. Oh, I keep God. burning holes in my pockets. He did get hurt, Anthony, but they said he's trending in the right direction. Anyway, thanks for uh, waiting for us, guys. little delay here, but hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Only takes a second. Help us defeat the YouTube overlords. We've had some amazing comments and chat about that stuff. People just working it into the show. Now, every time something goes wrong, it's like, yeah, the overlords are working overtime against you. So appreciate you going along with that. But in all seriousness, got to feed that algorithm. And there's no better way to do it than by supporting us. It takes two less than two seconds to do that. And subscribe to the channel. We're north of 67,000 subs. That is awesome. Did you fellas see, I've mentioned this on most shows, but not with you guys. YouTube has removed the dislike counter. So now we can say whatever the hell we want and we'll never know if people don't like it or not. No repercussions. No Nothing. repercussions for anything that we do. Holy That's shit. Let's go. Let's go. It's it dangerous, Matt. I think people are just too soft. They are. Oh, dude, we're on the 100% same page. Yes. But it's it's dangerous because now you just spout off and you won't know that your views are going down exponentially until it's too late. You're like, oh. Yeah, or YouTube just deplatforms you and you don't know why. Right. And you're like, dude, I didn't have any down votes. But that's okay. All we care about is thumbs up. We had a solid ratio anyway. We had a great likes to dislikes ratio anyway. So. Except for on shows where we called out trolls. 
Yeah, but even that, dude, even that, still pretty solid. Yeah. No, I, I feel pretty good about the work we did pre this. Uh, this I don't even know what you call it. It's basically YouTube them just trying going to... soft. Yes, I that's think. exactly what it is. YouTube's gone soft. Mark says he'll let us know in live chat if if I don't like it, don't you worry. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. That is not that's not going anywhere. I embrace the hate, but so good. I also love talking football, and we've got eleven games coming up for Week Thirteen here on the uh, the Ownership Show. First look at ownership. We just had a fresh run less than an hour ago over at AwesomeMode.com. Fresh run on our top stacks tool, so we're ready to rock. (laughs) The running back position is crazy because Matt. There are so many good mid-range backs this week. And I mean, look at this, right? You've got Taylor, who's not a mid-range back, but he's in an, a phenomenal matchup. Jamal Williams doesn't – Mike uh, Dan Campbell said he doesn't think DeAndre Swift is going to play. He said he'd be surprised if he did. James Conner, Daryl Henderson in another matchup where they're huge favorites. Uh, and then guys like Eli Mitchell as well. I'm only mentioning the guys that are getting a lot of ownership right now. There's also a lot of mid-range guys at l- below 10% that are in pretty good spots. So it's loaded in that range, at least in my opinion, this week. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised to see some of these guys not receive a price increase. LA, I mean, Daryl Henderson should be more expensive than he is. I, I think the same for James Conner. Jamal Williams, that was kind of, like the injury, sometimes these injuries that happen on Sunday kind of fly under the radar. So I understand like Jamal Williams pricing not be adjusted that much, but even like an Eli Mitchell, who's now received pretty decent pass work in two of yeah. the last three games that he's played like Eli Mitchell at 6k. I figured these guys would receive a steeper price increase, but to your point, I think the best thing for like tournament players is there's a lot of options in this range, even like an Antonio Gibson handled a massive workload last week. So there's a, certainly a lot of ways to get contrarian there. And I think people are just naturally going to play this range because every expensive back is hurt outside of Jonathan Taylor. Like we just don't have studs anymore. They're all injured. It's kind of cool. If you think of not, I mean, not for my fantasy or season long leagues or for them, but it, it does make things really appealing from a, what can I do different? I mean, Antonio Gibson, that was a Monday night game. I'm assuming salaries were already out, but dude, he has like 75 carries over his last three games, Eric. Mitchell, as Matt pointed out, has 27 carries in back-to-back games. They're without Debo, probably going to run more. And 11 targets in his last three. He had four targets total in his first five. So, I mean, you just can look anywhere. You could close your eyes in that range and probably pick some really good running backs and not miss. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the story, I think, of Week 12. You had McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, uh, Henderson, uh, McKissick. We have so many injuries that we have to be accounting for. Possibility of Sanders being out, being uh, Boston Scott Week God. That would that would save us our money uh, from having to play 5,200 Miles Sanders. But, yeah, it's a lot of injuries, a lot of things that we have to be accounting for. And, you know, in the event that you do get McKissick out, I mean, it becomes a very clear-cut Antonio Gibson. I guess the way to talk about this relative to the rest of the slate is you get some of these value running backs. Cooper cup is going to shoot through the moon uh, over at the wide receiver position. And I know we're focusing here on running back, but nine K Cooper cup, then your next guy being Justin Jefferson at 8,200, who is great in tournaments, but he's never going to project out that well, considering you have Thielen and you know, the possibility of Madison or cook whomever there uh, as the running back. It's just a lot of other good spill skill position players. I mean, Cooper cups ownership and him relative to how you're going to be building is so important, but Back to the running back position, no doubt about it. I mean, there's just a lot of guys that are undervalued, underpriced, and it's it's not even something where I, I think DraftKings could have done a lot about it. I mean, Daryl Henderson, yeah, he's underpriced, but I mean, you look at week nine, week 10, he had sub 10 point fantasy point games. And if he doesn't have that luck box receiving touchdown there, which was kind of a surprising uh, outlook when you have Van Jefferson, Odell Beckham, and of course, Cooper Cup there, you know, Daryl Henderson's box score doesn't look that good to me. So uh, I think I understand even against Jacksonville, everybody would want to play him. And I, I get that, but that becomes a guy that uh, I think is actually appropriately priced, even at 6,100. And, you know, we're going to have to make some really uncomfortable decisions in the event that he ends up being in. I think he's appropriately priced. If you're basing it on past performance over the last few weeks, mm-hmm. not if you look at why that happened, because 100%. They, right. They got smoked by Tennessee. They got smoked by San Francisco, abandoned the run in both. And against Green Bay, yeah, he had 16 attempts, and they only lost by, what was it, eight? But that game was was out of reach for quite some time. 
Yeah, and he, right. left, it was never he left one of those games with an injury. He was evaluated for a concussion, and he ended up coming back in, but he missed a significant chunk of time. Right, right. They're third. They have a thirty point two five implied total. They're twelve and a half point favorites. So, I yeah, I totally agree, Eric. That in 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 the grand scheme of they or not even the grand scheme of things, but looking at the past games, yes. Looking at if if every one of those matchups was Jacksonville at home, would he be this price? Probably not. Um, Matt, I, I think I might be on an island here, especially looking at ownership, because we've got Leonard Fournette at like 16%. Um, he's, he's pulling a lot of ownership coming off that big game, but I am still looking at a player that, you know, Ronald Jones had a goal line touchdown last week. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were non-existent. Grob, which means that that's not going to happen every week. Gronkowski's back. This guy is the tight end, basically the tight end too, given that Waller's out right now. He really is. Uh, and then I don't know if AB returns Antonio Brown Fournette to me, just at that price, there's, there's not a lot of meat left on the bone. Personally, I'd rather go to a lesser owned Joe Mixon in a really good matchup against the shitty chargers run defense. What do you think about Fournette here in this like seven to eight K range? I agree with you. Antonio Brown, not practicing today. So he's already off to a bad start, but yeah, we've seen this Tampa Bay offense operate for a pretty big sample now. Through 12 weeks, they were very, very pass-heavy, and especially in the red zone. Leonard Fournette, we all assumed that this big game would come at some point this year. It came very late in the season. But now to see his price adjusted all the way up to 7300 you mentioned Mixon. He's somebody in that price range I really like. But assuming Alexander Madison starts, and we don't have Dalvin Cook, which yep. seems to be the common sentiment around the Vikings right now, I don't see how he's not the most owned running back on the slate from this price range. He projects three points higher, nearly four points higher than anyone else in this price range outside of Jonathan Taylor, who is significantly more expensive than him. We've seen Madison come in and handle the exact same workload as Dalvin Cook, not an exaggeration, literally go and do the exact same thing that Dalvin yep. Cook does. So seeing him just 300 more than, than Leonard Fournette and even cheaper than Joe Mixon, I don't know how he's not the preferred play. And again, it's, it's Wednesday. We don't know how ownership is going to shake out, but if, the slate started today and you had Madison at 15% for net at 16 and Mixon at 13. Madison would be the preferred play for me in that range. You're absolutely right. I, I don't really think that's even an argument right now. I do love Joe Mixon in this spot though, with the amount of work he's getting. It's, it's so loaded here. Uh, Eric. Yeah. Joe Mixon, another fantastic play to close the loop on Alexander Madison. Have either of you looked at his fan dual salary? Oh, uh, do they not adjust? 8,700. So they did adjust. They did adjust. Is so how way? much is like Eckler and Jonathan Taylor? Yeah. So I just want to talk about this because it's just fascinating to me. Jonathan Taylor's 10-5. Joe Mixon, 9,400. Eckler, 9K. Alexander Madison, the fourth most expensive at 8,700. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. Uh, DraftKings is not appropriate. Uh, 7,500 or 7,600, excuse me, for Alexander Madison there. You had talked about it. Uh, two weeks there without Dalvin Cook. 26 and 25 carries, both for 110 plus and a ton of receiving work, eight targets and seven targets in those games. The one thing that I think is a little bit underrated about Alexander Madison coming into this offense as the lone back is he's a better pass catcher than Dalvin Cook. He just is. He's a little bit more in, in some of the work that we've seen over the course of the last two years. And again, I'm a Viking fan, so maybe it's me just watching the game and seeing a little bit more of it than most people. But the guy gets out of the backfield very, very quickly. And Dalvin Cook is a, a massive dude. He's incredible running downhill. But Alexander Madison, whenever he's been the lone back, it just seems to me like he sees a lot more of that receiving game volume. And that becomes even a little bit more intriguing for me in a PPR setting. So DraftKings, 7,600. I don't see any way around it. If the slate started right now and it was 15.5% on Alexander Madison, I'm hoping everybody feels like that's sick or shock because I would have an infinite amount. But uh, of course, Joe Mixon, 13% there for him. How can you say anything bad about this dude over the course of the last four weeks? He gets it done receiving a little bit here in times two, five targets, five targets, four targets in three of his last four. That's a nice little buffer there, but you're just looking for that volume. 30 and 28 carries the last two. He's just going completely nuts here. And as long as this offense continues to fire, they have so many great skill position players around him as well. Joe Mixon in these kind of game environments against the Chargers team that we've seen bleed and hemorrhage a ton of yardage on the ground. He's going to be another large piece of my portfolio. You mentioned that this Chargers run defense is objectively bad. I mean, they're very bad. They're 4.7 yards per attempt. They've coughed up 15 yards 
or 15 touchdowns on the ground. No team's allowing more rushing yards per game than the Chargers either, which is crazy because they have a good enough offense that could you would think at least throw teams into a spot where they'd have to toss the ball around a little more, but that hasn't been the case. So, uh, yeah, I, like Matt said, like you said, Matt, we do have to wait to see where ownership shakes out because it's it's there are a lot of moving parts throughout the week. But as of now, to me, Fournette feels like the odd man out. I love Taylor. I love Jamal Williams. I, I have no problem getting to Jamal Williams whatsoever, even at high ownership. Uh, I like Henderson. I love Madison, Mitchell, Mixon. Like Montgomery's probably a guy I have less of this week. And maybe even James Conner ends up being a, a, a product of just losing out exposure to him because there's so many other good running backs. Who are your odd men out here? I think Jamal Williams would be a pretty easy guy to phase out. There's just so really, many... yeah. I mean, and it comes down to alternatives. I would rather play James Conner in a vacuum. They're expected to get Kyler Murray back. And again, a lot of this is contingent on Kyler Murray. He's going to, just boost the efficiency of the offense so much. Arizona's implied team totals 26 and a half as seven and a half point favorites over the Chicago Bears. They have an extra touchdown and an implied team total over Detroit, who's a seven point underdog. And I do not think Jamal Williams is the same kind of receiver that we saw on DeAndre Swift. And we already know there's so many paths to failure for Detroit backs. It's not just that they don't have a low scoring expectation, but sometimes they just get killed so bad in these games that the runners aren't on the field. Like you're going to see, Ibuike and Jamar Jefferson when they get beat that bad. And that doesn't happen a lot, but it is in the range of outcomes. And at the essentially the same price point as like a James Conner, I would rather play him. I would rather play Elijah Mitchell. Henderson, assuming he's active, I would rather play him. He's not a bad play. He's just kind of like fourth or fifth in the pecking order for me. And maybe even like an Antonio Gibson. But ultimately, there's just a lot of paths to failure for Jamal Williams. And if he comes in with the second highest ownership, he's going to be a pretty easy fade for me. Okay. Okay. I mean, good reasoning. Let me play, let me play devil's advocate here. And then Eric, I want to get your take on all these I've been out. And of course, Jamal Williams, they have the fourth highest game script adjusted run play percentage on the year, the Detroit lions. That's surprising, but it's not. And when you figure like the last three games have been decided by three points or less, I think they win this week. Uh, but that's besides the point. Wait, you it's think, do like, you think they went outright as a seven point underdog? Yeah. Seven points isn't that much. Don't say that to me on this show. Don't do that to me. Okay, you would you would be going like drastically against Vegas. Their win percentage is very low. It's like the third lowest on the slate. Well, yeah, but <laughs> it's been the third lowest on the slate for every time, and they come like one point away from winning. And What's these the... these lines get more efficient through the year, not less. Well, I mean, like if you were going to tell me that in week ago, one, were, that would make they, sense. They were. They were seven and a half point dogs to Pittsburgh. Ended up tying them. Seven points. It's yeah, it's a lot, but it's not. It's not insurmountable, Matt. For for tournaments, sure, but you also need to factor in ownership. And with the second highest ownership, with alternatives in the price range, that's where like I, you're making the case for him to like put up a GPP winning ceiling, and that's certainly there. No, well, I'm, I, that's what I was saying. The whole me thinking them win is besides the point. I think it's close. They have a 30% implied win probability based Which on is their... extremely low. It's, it's not, it's not zero. So <laughs> I mean, like, of course there's no zeros in the NFL. This is fun. well, well, there's zero wins for the lions so far. Um, <laughs> here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Is there any bigger beneficiary than Jamal Williams? When you lose a back, like Deandre Swift Williams is already averaging 13 touches per game. And now you take a guy in Swift who was second in the team in targets and receptions that was basically their best pass catcher alongside TJ Hawkinson, and you take him out of the lineup. Like I, Jamal Williams, if he if this game's competitive, you're getting you're getting all of the work in the passing game and the ground game to him against an awful Minnesota run defense. So I, don't not only, I just see it a little different. Eric, you're out. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Not only that, but Jamar Jefferson there, he's had five carries on the entire season, four targets on the entire season. And those are just two outings where he's appeared there. Uh, we're looking at, you know, Godwin Aguimabuike. Uh, did I just completely butcher that? I don't know. He's going to be somebody that they're probably going to have to call up to be active there. Um, I don't really see that there's anybody else in that backfield who's going to get work uh, so long as Jamal Williams stays healthy in this spot. And, you know, 5,400, it's just 
looking at the tag, you have to kind of think about it from, from that perspective. Jamal Williams also doesn't need a ton. And I mean, just like a ton of bulk yardage there. I mean, he gets in the box there week one, him and Deandre Swift end up just being uh, completely nuts. Nine rushing attempts, 54 yards there, nine targets, eight receptions for 56. He didn't eclipse 56 in either, uh, in either spot, only got one touchdown, 25 fantasy points. So at 5,400, I find it hard right now. If the slate started, we would play him in cash. I think that that's kind of a, a no brainer, uh, but we're going to have a lot of these mid range options that are going to show up. I mean, if you lose JD McKissick, I would rather play Gibson uh, in tournaments and in cash. I would rather go to, you know, some of these other guys. I don't know how many, how much savings we're really going to need in that kind of a play, but I mean, Jamal Williams is, is not even objectively like he's, he's a phenomenal play simply because of volume. To your point, I'm not saying he's a bad play. I'm saying there's okay. players in the. You said exam. you hated his guts. Yeah, you said you said that you disrespected his family. Well, that's that's all true and fine, but as far as DFS goes, I'm saying there's players at the same price range with less ownership, the same touch expectation, and a higher scoring probability. Fair enough. I don't even disagree with any of that. I just think that the volume for Jamal Williams will probably be pretty significant. Like if I'm projecting. And yes, you could do so for Antonio Gibson if McKissick's out, for Eli Mitchell, all of that. I get it. I think he's in the same conversation, though. Um, but yeah, fair. Implied totals and all that. The, Mike said, Mike Campbell said, Lions are seven and four against the spread this season. Yeah, they've, the Lions have kept a lot of games close. If you look at their games, they've kept a lot of games close. They should have beat Baltimore, they should have beat Pittsburgh, they should have had a couple of wins. They did it. Should have beat Minnesota for sure. Should have beat Minnesota. Yeah. 50, 52 yard field goal for the Vikings. That never. That's happens. right. Minnesota's not good, man. We're not good. We're, we're very good. We're, we're like, very do you guys, good. Do you guys at, not uh, think that Vegas is the most accurate thing we have at projecting these games? Yes. But seven points is not 50, like seven points is still like, yeah, 30% win probability, but I, okay. What's the probability for them to cover seven points? 50% around 50%. I, I think for them to cover, it's exactly 50% assuming right. the line's efficient. Exactly. Yeah. If it's an even, yeah, right. So 50%. There's also, there's also 50% of the time they get blown the hell out. Okay. But yeah. that's, well, that's not true. I mean, if you're losing by more than seven points, that's a pretty significant margin of defeat. I don't know, man. All right. I guess. And I'm not saying he's a bad play. I'm saying there's other plays in this range. That I agree have, with that. I, yeah, I, I, I don't. don't even I don't think we disagree on anything. Yeah, we probably don't. Like James Conner, like you said. <laughs> you said Jamal Williams is the clear cash play over James Conner on DraftKings. Oh no, 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 no! I didn't say over James Conner. I said in addition to. It would probably be if you started okay. right now. You're looking at that kind of being the combination. I think you're playing probably three running backs if the slate started right now, just because there is so much massive value. Alexander Madison first guy in for me there alongside of them. I see Jonathan Taylor's getting a ton of steam up there to 9,200 going up against Houston. That's a guy you have to at least consider, but I think I would probably want to prioritize Cooper cup simply because of the opportunity cost of not playing him at the wide receiver position. So if I'm spending up for one guy, I'm going for him. And there's so many guys that are going to get 85% plus of the workload here of the snaps. So I, I just kind of want to play those guys. Jamal Williams is just one of them. I think your three clear cash backs, if it started today, are Madison, Williams, and Connor. If Back. it started today. And I don't even know if Murray's going to play at this point. Kingsbury's just so vague with everything. Mm -hmm. Hasn't played since week eight. It's been, a, it's been a hot second. Yeah, it has. And every week it's been like, oh, he's a game-time decision, and then it just turns out he was nowhere close to playing. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, Eric, Miles Sanders, I know you mentioned him earlier in the show, that Eagles run game. We wouldn't even be mentioning if they weren't facing the if they weren't facing the Jets, if they didn't have a league or sorry, a, a season high implied total um, at MetLife against a really bad team. So any other guys you want to hit on that we have in a running back? Yeah, Miles Sanders, you we've we've kind of got that point. I mean, does he see the workload? Yes. Play him. If he doesn't, you don't want to play him. But how do you predict such things? Nick Sirianni's yeah. an insane person. Do we just flip a coin and just yeah. kind of go with that at the end of the day? Cause yeah, that's, or you just, or, you know, the truth is on a slate like this, I think you can just fade him. I, I think last week there was a lot more merit to playing miles Sanders because there were less really good five K running backs. But at this point I might just take the volume 
with a with a Gibson or a Mitchell or one of those guys. I guess the only caveat to that, Matt, is if Miles Sanders really does come in at like three percent or two percent, then you could say, well, a two percent Miles Sanders against the Jets, if he goes crazy. I want a little bit, but I don't think you'd need to get a lot of him this week. There's just so many good mid-range backs and lower mid-range backs. Yeah, I agree. I think he's at best on a two-way committee with Scott and at worst a three-way committee with Gainwell, who actually got involved a little bit on the last drive of the game. I don't know if that matters a ton or not moving forward, but he's at least there. Yeah, and Jordan Howard, I think he sits this week because they have a bye in week 14, but if he's back, then I'm just – you want nothing at all to do with anything here, so – Talk about wide receivers before we do. Shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. Uh, you guys have been crushing it over there, and I love to see it. It's daily prop based contests. And if you want to get started and you haven't done so yet, use that promo code AWESOMO because you will get up to $100 in a deposit match when you sign up for the first time. All you have to do, you pick two, three, four, or five players available on the board to go over or under their projected scores. There's no juice on either side. You're just picking the over or the under. You fellas know here that I love taking the over on the touchdown props because, see, they don't traditional books aren't going to offer you unders, so you're not really getting a good feel for the line. But if you're getting a Jonathan, like last week, Jonathan Taylor was, what was he, minus 200, I think it was, to score a touchdown. You And he scored, of course. Yeah. You were getting that at even money. You weren't paying on either side of that bet uh, over at Price Picks. There's a lot of different ways to get edges, specifically using Odd Shopper, which is free, where we have all of our projections, expected win rate, expected ROI on these, mostly expected win rate. That's the most important with prize picks. Um, all of that stuff, totally free at oddshopper.com. Use it in conjunction with this. Take advantage of that. Not everyone's using the tools that we have to win at prize picks. You can do five, four, whatever it is. And if you do five and you hit four, you still get two times your money, unlike a traditional parlay where you just get long, you, everything's gone if you hit four or five and that last leg busts on you. So uh, a lot of different ways to do it. A lot of cool stuff. Download it in the App Store, Google Play Store. Go to prizepicks.com. Use the promo code AWESOMO. Get up to $100 when you sign up and deposit for the first time. And if you hit a big one, hit us up at AWESOMO Hall of Fame, man. AWESOMO HOF on Twitter. Uh, we'll throw you up. We'll induct you. You hit a nice one over there on prize picks. Won't get the free month, but it's worthwhile anyway. All right. Wide receivers, Matt, what do you think here up top with Cooper cup pulling around 20%? He is very expensive right now. Yeah. Eric's alluded to it a lot. And because we, I mean, it's kind of attrition. We just don't have a lot of expensive backs outside of Jonathan Taylor. So right now, early in the week, it seems the preferred build is to play a lot of these mid five K mid six K running backs in Madison in there too. And then just use Cooper Cup as your expensive receiver. It's also a product of we don't have Tyree Kill in the main slate. We don't have Devontae Adams. So it's a spot where there's just a lack of alternatives for the expensive players. That made me jump. I'm sorry. Is that, is that knocking the landlord's back, first Dude, of that all. That made me jump out of my seat. <laughs> Did you see me? <laughs> Save Matt, time. I didn't go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, my dog was sleeping. I have a bed of hers in the office and she just went wild right there. I popped out of my chair. I think it was the Amazon guy that came up. Sometimes they knock. I don't know why. Sorry. Were you, were you done, man? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was done. I was just talking about Cooper cup being the only elite wide receiver play and the only really top tier expensive option that I have a lot of interest in. Yeah. And that's what's kind of weird to me this week, Eric, kind of piggybacking off of what Matt said is I really like Justin Herbert at $6,700 in this spot. But if you want to get Keenan Allen, who's actually pulling a lot of ownership right now, you're paying a good amount for him. And I was actually surprised to see Keenan Allen at that specific price point, getting as much ownership as he currently is because he's been good. He's been consistent, but you're not getting those ceiling games from Keenan Allen. At least we haven't yet. Yeah, but we've got five straight 10 plus target games. I think it really kind of depends what you're trying to accomplish. I think it's smaller field stuff. I think Keenan Allen's just fine alongside Justin Herbert, but I got to expect that that pairing is going to be popular just like they were against Denver, mainly because Justin Herbert's price just continues to trend down a little bit and maybe unnecessarily. So this is a game against Cincinnati where, you know, they still got nearly a 24 total here on the road. Keenan Allen, uh, low ADOT, but somebody that can definitely just get there in pure volume and, 
you know, if he ends up getting a touchdown, which is just a, a big if a lot of the times when you're asking or talking about some of these wide receiver plays, if we could all predict that instantly, we'd all be very, very rich. But being able to get to Keenan Allen's volume alone, I think makes some sense. But now it's going to be for like a cash game format at 7,500 for this week. Cooper Cup projects eight and a half points more than Justin Jefferson, the second guy on the board. That's a ridiculous gap. We haven't seen anything like this where there's just a chasm. Normally, this is like what we've seen with Devontae Adams or Michael Thomas in weeks past or seasons past, where they're just so clear cut better and, and above everybody else. And that's what we have with Cooper Cup. So anything else is just a massive difference in, in projection. But Cooper Cup goes for 23 in tournaments, and that's not going to burn you. And you want to start getting some exposure to just about everybody here on this top end. Jamar Chase, somebody that's been really, really down the last four weeks, and that makes him in tournament or in tournaments a really good run back for those Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen kind of pairings. Going to some Jalen Waddle on the top end as well, now that he's up to 6,400. Weird to talk about him as somebody, a, a, a Keenan Allen light, if you would say low a dot somebody that you want to get to as well i think there's a lot of really intriguing plays here for tournaments but cooper cup class of his own matt is there any way right now that that we can trust any of these receivers for pittsburgh like deontay johnson's pulling what fifth or sixth most ownership at his position i i get it but this offense has been so bad that essentially with deontay johnson it's very much the same thing what Eric just said about Keenan Allen, except on a far worse offense with a far inferior quarterback. The volume is insane with Deontay Johnson. It's insane. But they're just not moving the ball down the field, so he's having these okay games. But, like, is there ever two touchdown upside in play for Deontay Johnson at this point against the Baltimore Ravens? It, it feels sketchy, but maybe you have a different opinion. No, we're in lockstep as far as it being sketchy. All that is a lock for Deontay Johnson right now is volume. Some of that right. coming down to injuries, they're constantly playing from behind, but it's like a Detroit offense where the scoring expectation is just extremely low for Pittsburgh. And a lot of these targets are low dots, so you don't have a really large ceiling for a big play, anything like that. And then he's 6,800, so he's not cheap. He's almost a 7K receiver, and there's plenty of alternatives in the range. You have Chris Godwin, 200 cheaper, is like a premier bounce back candidate. Jalen Waddle's 400 cheaper. And then you could even get into like the 5K range. A player like Tyler Lockett is even 6,500. And I think all of those guys have more upside. Maybe not the same consistent target volume, but upside certainly. Um, so Yosef said it was the YouTube overlords knocking. I just saw that now. Uh, Eric, I... I, you know, you talked about like getting away from Tampa one-offs last week, not in runbacks, but just in lineups. And, and I can appreciate what you're saying as, as far as receivers go, but Mike Evans is one of those guys, <clears throat> excuse me, that eight, eight targets from Mike Evans could be more valuable than eight to Deontay Johnson. I'm not saying it is, mm -hmm. but he has that monster blow up potential on a team with Tom Brady that has a monstrous implied total this week, highest on the slate. When Mike Evans goes off, Mike Evans goes off. And we've got him projected for like 7% right now. I do believe we have Antonio Brown in, but I still don't think Evans is going to get that much just because he has been one of those more unpredictable guys. They've got a lot of mouths to feed. How are you approaching Tampa Bay this week if Antonio Brown is out again? Yeah, Mike Evans was definitely kind of a, a stronger stand that I took against in tournaments outside of Tom Brady stacks, simply because you get Rob Gronkowski back into the mix and it really just kills out of any other player on that team, Mike Evans. Mike Evans only has over 76 receiving yards twice this entire season. It's all got, touchdowns. It's just through touchdown volume. And with Rob Gronkowski back, for me, that was kind of a stand where I just kind of thought about it, where I wanted to get to more Gronk Godwin as kind of the upside pairings. Of course, it was answer C, Leonard Fournette. But Mike Evans, yeah, he's got massive potential to go nuts. But a lot of it happened aside from Rob Gronkowski because of how touchdown dependent he is to really break that tag. So if the ownership's going to be sub 7.3% that we would have it at now, I'd probably get to a little bit more considering how heavily, how heavily the pass is just, uh, it's the emphasis of Tampa Bay. It's always going to be here with Tom Brady there, but I just don't feel at 7.3% that he would be a guy I'd want to roll with in tournaments as it stands right now. Where are you at on guys like Evans and Godwin in, in tournaments, Matt? I think you can play them both. I we've seen all of the pass catchers healthy this year and they still have a ceiling. 
which is what I'm most concerned with. But Eric brings up a good point with ownership. All of this obviously depends on where these guys come in for ownership. And right now, neither of them are particularly low owned. Godwin and Evans are kind of both in this, this mid-tier. Godwin is especially owned, but Evans, even at 7%, I'm not sure that's low owned enough where you want to take like a significant stand on him. In stacks, fine, 7%. You can easily build around that and be contrarian. But to Eric's point, this is always going to be the combination of projection versus ownership. And the ownership ultimately on these Tampa Bay pass catchers is still pretty high. I think a lot of that probably just because of public perception. And they are the number one offense in football. So a lot of it is deserved. For sure. It is pretty funny, though. I was just looking at week two against Atlanta in the same matchup. Gronk had 20. Evans had 24. Godwin had 16. I don't know if Antonio Brown played. Uh, did he play? He had. Yeah, he did. I think. He, I mean, they went completely much. super saiyan in that game. It was it was yeah. madness. Yeah, Gronk or uh, Brady threw five touchdowns. They just went nuclear, man. Um, I remember because I te- I had them and I had the the Falcons in a teaser and I teased it up. I forget where it was, but I was in great shape. And then Ryan threw that pick that went off the helmet caught and pick six on like the final drive of the game to not cover but either way this game has real shootout vibes and i'm not really sure how atlanta by any measure stops tampa so do you think and matt kind of touched on it but matt uh, eric do you think it's more a spot where we should just be going to these guys in stacks again instead of one-offs yeah, for me, because Tom Brady, we we know that the upside. I, I I don't know how to explain this because this is just for me. I do loved, your best. Yeah. Okay. So I loved Tom Brady last week, and we have to look at it for if Tom Brady goes off, you obviously don't have to worry about rushing touchdowns. You know, maybe a one yard QB sneak here and there that we've seen over the course of the last two decades, but. For the most part, you know that it's going to be Mike Evans. It's going to be, there's not really a Tyler Johnson spike week that's going to be in store. Cameron Brait is one guy you could worry about vulturing, but for the most part, you know it's going to be Mike Evans, going to be Chris Godwin, going to be Rob Gronkowski. But their ownership was nearly 20% there. And if one of them goes off, I got to be thinking Tom Brady as a popular play is definitely going to be garnering all of the, all of the positivity there as well. Uh, of course, it's a pass catcher, but... When you start talking about one-offs, you have to be looking at what their overall ownership is. And if you're not running it back with a stack, you had Wentz and you talked about playing him. And I think it makes sense still to have it in the runbacks. But there's just so much upside that exists elsewhere. And the chance of failure is so, so high for a guy like Godwin or Evans in the event that Tom Brady is getting rushed after, you know, running for his life, having situations like they had against the, the Washington football team. For me, it just made sense to purely stack them up with Tom Brady and hope for that massive week. And you can do single stacks even alongside that. You know, if three touchdowns go to Mike Evans, that's a pretty easy way to kind of encapsulate all of Tom Brady's upside as well. But from a one-off perspective, when guys are nearing 20%, that's when you need to start probably pumping the brakes in the one-off department, aside from Cooper Cup this week, which I just don't think you could get to enough of. But there's so many guys in this mid-range of wide receiver that you just have to be factoring in as a little bit higher uh, probability of going nuts and being the sole guy to do it. So Michael Pittman, a guy in Indianapolis, like we made T.Y. Hilton a thing for savings, but you got to be thinking if the receiving volume is going to be there for somebody, it's going to be there for him. We're looking at Brandon Ayuk, independent of Debo Samuel. I got to be thinking he's somebody, strong possibility of seeing the most volume there. It's just so easy to plug and play, whereas Tampa Bay, it's not as easy to target and plug and play one guy. I agree. I mean, I hate that Pittman doesn't get targets in games where they're, you know, in control. But if you're right, if it goes anywhere, it's him. I think Brandon Ayuk's fascinating this week, Matt, because with Debo Samuel out, now they're running the ball talk. A lot of this by design, a lot of it just because they've been smoking teams lately. Look at look at the game script. Or look at the way that these games have gone. They've been able to run as much as they want. But Jimmy Garoppolo over the last five weeks is number one in yards per attempt in the league by a full yard. He's been wildly efficient despite low passing volume. So if there's one guy here, I I think Ayuk is perfectly fine. DeAndre Hopkins projecting for 3% ownership right now. Devontae Smith, squeaky wheel narrative here, folks. He was pissed last week that Rager was getting those opportunities, dropped two touchdowns. Uh, He's the best pass catcher on this team. Matt said it the other day to me last week 
that the closest thing to a college football secondary, he didn't say they were or that they would lose to one, but the closest <laughs> thing to one is the New York Jets secondary. And Devontae Smith knows how to get open. He's at 5% right now in the same range, price range as guys like Ayuk and Pittman. So that might be a pivot for me this week. What about you, Matt? Any low end pivots or low own pivots you like? I like the pivots in this range a lot off of Ayuk. I'm taking a look at our projections right now. And I, you mentioned one point I think that works against Ayuk, and it's the San Francisco run rate being really high. And from there, I'm not 100% sure he just functions in that Debo Samuel target monster role. I think George Kittle might have something to do with that. And from there, you just have a lot of really strong projections in this range. Guys that project better than Ayuk at this point in time and are coming in lower owned. And there's just a slew of names. Like Mike Williams has a better raw projection. Odell Beckham has a better raw projection. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Brandon Cooks. And those are all guys below 6K. And if you want to talk about cash game formats, we haven't hit on Hunter Renfro yet, but he's benefiting from just pure attrition right now. Waller's not expected to play. They obviously lost rugs earlier in the year. They're just depleted. And his projection is sky high for a guy 5,800. I would be shocked if he's not one of the clear cash game receivers at his price point right now. But I, I think Renfro, I mean, he com- he's coming off the big game last week, but his range of outcomes has been pretty narrow over the course of the year where he's basically locked into like six, seven or eight catches and somewhere between like 70 and 90 yards. I don't know if there's a ceiling for him in tournaments necessarily, or if it, there is, it comes few and far between. But as far as cash game goes, Renfro is a really strong play. You know, what's crazy. We have placed insane expectations on wide receiver, rookie wide receivers after like Justin Jefferson and, and stuff. Uh, R said in chat, disappointing season for Smith. The guy's on pace for like, I don't know, 950 yards and seven touchdowns or six touchdowns for a rookie. You used to look at that and go, damn, solid season. Eric, now it's like, why can't you be more like Jefferson and Jamar Chase? Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, we just have to relatively temper our expectations for some of these guys. You know, it's 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 just a, a it's kind of speaking to us getting a little bit hyper hyper aware of what you need to win in tournaments. And if guys don't reach that level, we don't necessarily think of them as, quote unquote, good. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that there's something to that. Uh, speaking back to a little bit about what he was talking about when it comes to Hunter Renfro. I really like getting to him. All of the props over on Oddshop are taken off the board here for this receiving team. We saw Deshaun Jackson uh, end up putting up a little bit of nice, uh, well, I mean, he had the one big play up against the Cowboys. Cowboy killer, if you will. That's kind of uh, what he's being branded as uh, going forward. But one guy that I'm kind of surprised hasn't been getting the work is Brian Edwards. And that's been because of Zay Jones here. Seven targets, five receptions there. I don't know. There, there are reports and just, I, I know that Derek Carr has been talking about how much he appreciates Zay Jones. Zay Jones had that huge touchdown catch to win week one against Baltimore uh, at home. That was, that was kind of him saying, uh, speaking to Zay Jones's praise, but I kind of like mixing him in at 3,200. I haven't found a lot of guys sub 4k that I've been pulling the trigger on in previous weeks here. I know it sounds really, really thin, but with Darren Waller out, with Hunter Renfro there is going to garner a ton of attention. I want to talk about Zay Jones and possibly making him a $3,200 player that allows you to get to the likes of Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, and a lot of these expensive players all in one lineup. All right. You got some balls, son. I'm just saying, Zay Jones is on the field a lot here right now. And, and because Brian Edwards just seems like he's not getting involved whatsoever, Zay Jones, yeah. I, I'm just, how many times have we talked about sub 4K players on DraftKings here lately? Like, Listen, not at all. I, I hear you. Brian Edwards has run 52 routes over the last two games. He has one target. Wind sprints. He's running wind sprints, yeah. Uh, I actually think Deshaun Jackson's fine as well. Mm-hmm. This game has real shootout potential. This is a straight, like, large field tournament play at no ownership. But DJX is the type of guy that could go completely just blank you, or he ends up having five targets and two of them go for 50 yard touchdowns. He's done it many times in the past. Uh, he's always open. It's just, can you get him the ball? And we saw last game 22 fantasy points. He was a, he was a game changer on Thanksgiving against Dallas. So yeah. Uh, yeah, look, the truth is Matt with this whole Raiders offense with Darren Waller out and 
Henry Ruggs, obviously no longer with the team, is I mean, you're just guessing outside of Renfro. It's a straight guess. They had one game against, was it Dallas? No, the one before that. Who was it? Uh, Cincinnati? I don't, I don't know who it was. They only threw to, they only targeted receivers six times in that game. I remember the game. I don't remember the opponent. Cincinnati. Right you know what I'm talking It was Cincy, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a disaster behind him. I think for GPPs, it's a strong place to target. They're a rare favorite, and you don't see that a lot for Las Vegas at this point. 49 point total in the game. Like if you're going to take some shots on some cheap receivers, this is a good spot to do so. But I think their number two pass catcher might be a certain tight end we're going to talk about soon, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But in the past, rather than use some of these number two and three receivers, they've just used their tight end. And with Waller, it makes a lot of sense. But even when he's been out, a lot of times those targets have gone to non-pass or non-wide receivers to your point on that game against Cincinnati where they only targeted them six times. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Appreciate all of the support. We got almost 250 watching. It's basketball season, but we're still pulling some numbers around here. And hit that subscribe button, too. If you want to join, see all those sweet badges. I got one, too. I got the six-month badge. We haven't been doing this all that long at this point. You want to get that, the custom emojis, the free super chats, shout-outs, quest, priority questions, all that stuff. Hit that join now. Uh, join, whatever it is, underneath the thumbs up after you hit that. Our wonderful producer, Jordan Klein, just throwing the link in chat right now as well. Hopefully that will populate. There you go. Boom. Do, yo, is Jordan, I was looking at the DMP, right? Let me see if they fixed this. They did. Uh, no, hold on. Is NFL strategy show still active? There's just an NA. Okay. 25% off everything. Uh, awesome. ownership pl- projections. The ones we've been talking about the top stack tool, which we're about to talk about player projections, uh, lineup builder, all that stuff. You can get the fantasy cruncher add on as well. Not just for uh, football, but basketball, hockey, PGA, MMA, everything everything out there if they have contests for it we have content for it all of which built by alex baker awesome himself number one ranked dfs player out there so if you want to get in on the action dip your toes in the water get a little discount to start use the promo code nfl strategy show all one word all caps get 25 percent off your first week and if you just want to check out say nfl go a little light our express pass is what like 395 or 495 a week there's a lot of different options whether you're a serious novice professional, whatever. We got you covered at awesome. All the tools out there, best stuff you're going to find. All right. Tight ends, fellas, Eric, what do you got at the top from an ownership perspective? Yeah. So I won't steal the luster from uh, LSU's own Foster Moreau. Uh, I, he didn't really have a ton of pass catching uh, volume there in college, but he's definitely been very serviceable in, in stead of Darren Waller. So I'll, I'll save and let uh, Matt talk a little bit about him. In terms of upside, we, it's been a long time since we've seen a quote-unquote eruption spot from a tight end. But George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, I think on the top end, it's hard to not look at those two. They're now sub-6K. DraftKings is making it a little bit easier to try to get to some of these ceilings. And with so many mid-range wide receivers, we're going to be able to find some ways to get some of these guys into our lineups. I hate to say it, but Kyle Pitts, I'm going to try to make a thing here again this week. We've seen the pass funnel here from Tampa Bay, and it's just going to be something where if you want to stack up Tom Brady and play, you know, uh, the, the Godwin, the Gronk even, I don't mind a two tight end Kyle Pitts throwing into the mix there a little bit as well. It's going to happen for him eventually here. No Calvin Ridley continuing to not or continuing to be out. There's really nobody else that you need to be looking at. This team is a complete disaster aside from Patterson, who continues to just perform, but I would much rather try to make Kyle Pitts a thing here once again this week. There's 25-plus upside there, and now you're getting a little bit of a discount at 5,600, so sign me up. Okay. You know he's still the tight end seven, despite uh, despite how bad he's been in most games. The t- It just shows – it just really illustrates how bad the tight end position – like, Hawkins mm-hmm. is the tight end four. What have we said his name twice wow. since week two, right? Wow. I mean, just saying that tells you how bad the tight end position is. This is why everybody's punting down there and everybody's going to punt down there again with Foster Moreau. So it's like, well, let's try to find a way to get a little bit different in tournaments. For me, that's primarily what I'm doing is I'm playing tournaments. So Kyle Pitts going to probably be a thing that I'm going to regret come Sunday. Hunter Henry's the tight end eight. 
Jesus and Christ. Zach Ertz is the nine. The guy wasn't even used the first few weeks of the season. <laughs> I don't know. Fryer Muth's 11. And <laughs> whatever. I, I could keep going. Like, it's so weird. Gronk's 18, and he missed most of the season. I like Gronk again this week, Matt. Maybe I'm dumb, but I don't know. He's a legitimate red zone threat. In the games he's played this season, he's the tight end, too. I think he's deserving of that price point. Highest implied total of the slate for this team. And Atlanta's secondary is just awful. What do you like at the top or pivots at tight end? Yeah, I think Kittle, there's a decent chance he takes over a lot of what we saw Debo Samuel do. Not in like the rushing department, but some of those targets. So to Eric's point, I do think Kittle's a bit underpriced when he's below 6K. And we also don't have the alternatives. We don't have Waller because of injury. We don't have Kelsey because he's not on the main slate. So there's just a lack of alternatives among the expensive tight ends. I I get it with Kyle Pitts. He's still near 10% in ownership, which I'm torn if I think that's too high. It might honestly be just about right for him because he's so volatile and the volume's not even good with Pitts. There are games where he pops up for eight, nine, 10 targets, and then games where he entirely disappears, which is concerning considering outside of him, your best pass catcher is probably Russell Gage or maybe your running back slash receiver, Cordero Patterson. So when he's really low owned, I think that's fine. But right now, 9%, I'm just not sure that that's enough. But outside of Kittle and Moreau, I think you're basically just trying to correlate with your quarterback if possible, you know, like your Tyler Higbees, your Fryermuths, your Gronks, depending on who you're playing. What do you guys think of, of Everett? Mm. I only ask because he leads the team in targets over the last three weeks. And I'm led to think that with Russell Wilson struggling as much as he had on downfield attempts, that he's starting to settle for guys like Gerald Everett. But I only, there, there's not a lot down there as far as low owned options this week. And, and even he is, is, is pretty underwhelming from a DFS standpoint. Like most of these guys down here are pretty underwhelming. Well, I've got a guy just because I saw his name pop up in chat and he's got a guy Revin. I had circled Logan Thomas at okay. 4k. Uh, how full of shit are coaches, especially Ron Rivera talking about snap counts and everything else. Yep. Yeah. Matt Kachewski, That's what I said. Completely full of dog doo-doo. Fuck we know, these guys. We know this. We I know just this. can't even. Logan Thomas <laughs> played 66 offensive snaps, 79% of the offensive yeah. snaps. Oh, but he's going to be on a snap count. Oh, great. Sounds great. Completely blew up my showdown. Pissed me off beyond belief. I'm obviously just up here cussing, and I don't do this very often, so I'm upset. But Logan it's Thomas salty. is a great play at 4K. 4K. Imagine if we had that down vote button right now. We'd just be getting oh. lit up. Yeah, no, man. All, the, people, all the Christians in YouTube voting. chat hitting the, that thumbs down. I think they'd be upvoting it. We love the emotion. I do too. But Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. We're playing like it's almost like these guys don't understand that sports betting that us in, you know, our, our little niche gives them their uh, job, gives them their job. And also the quotes like if you're going to outwardly lie about something like, you know, I, I guess at least we've conditioned ourselves to know that they're going to be completely full of crap about all of this stuff. But I don't know. It impacts people. It impacts us in this space trying to give great advice on things. When you just outwardly lie all the time, you have to try to figure out what's fact and fiction. Plus, beat reporters suck. Continue on. <laughs> I love it. I appreciate the fire. Matt, can I throw a, uh, a dart at you and see if you're willing to catch it? Throw as many as you'd like, man. All right. What do you think about Brevin Jordan? Is this a guy that we're going to start seeing to emerge in Houston? Caught a touchdown last week on the field for 60% of snaps, ran 18 routes, not a ton, obviously, but they ran the football a decent amount. At minimum salary, is there anything there, or do we need to play more of a wait-and-see approach with a guy like this? I think you could throw darts. It's not the most intriguing situation, obviously, anytime you're playing for Houston. Implied team total is really low, but he is a rookie. He came out of Miami, a day three pick, really good receiving chops. He's not really a guy you're ever going to see line up in line. He's undersized for the position. With that said, in your rookie year, you expect some of these tight ends to take some time. So seeing him emerge towards the latter half of the year is not too surprising to me. You also just don't really have any real competition. We're talking about Farrell Brown. So mm-hmm. if you want to throw a dart, I mean, you could. It's it's not, I think, the highest percentage chance of like success, especially because it's still going to be a rotation at tight end for an inept offense. But I think there are things to like about Brevin Jordan moving forward if he can take on a larger role. I will say, too, the Colts have been dreadful against tight ends this year. I mean, my God, awful against the position. 
it's hard to take too much out of that. But uh, if you want something to break the tie, they've been terrible. All right, fellas, uh, Jordan, we got a late start. Scratch the Hall of Fame, okay? Because we got off to a, to a real late. So all I can see is that 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 offensive logo on his hat. I can't even see his face anymore. I just <laughs> the Guardians. The Guardians. That's the Indian. It's a nice hat. I like. It. Anyway, yeah. Do you like the Guardians? No, it's the dumbest name I've ever heard. Ah, it's not the football team. Yeah. When I talk about them and when I like write scripts for videos, I refuse to even call them that. I just call them Washington. It's a very strong stance to take. In no, your it's life, not Luffy. a political thing. It's I just know. a dumbass name. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, the football team. There's 32 of them. Maybe it's time for me to, to mature. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's... I'm done talking. I'm not Washington's fine though, right? Like, oh, yeah. yeah, Washington facing good. Seattle. You still know what I'm talking about. I just don't know. Washington NFTs are so popular. Make WFT a thing. You know, you got to find a way to incorporate the two, right? Five syllables though, bro. Oh yeah, the W. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it kind of screws Sub up FT, the alliteration. Maybe. I don't. I don't mind it. Matt loves this conversation. Look at him. He's muted himself. There we are. I, Hi. I'm not muted. Welcome back. I'm not muted because of the conversation. You guys know why I'm muted. <laughs> Landlord. Love it. How are we doing? Oh. Right, I don't, I don't know what's going him. on over here, but yeah, that's why I'm muted. It's not because the, the conversation. All good, man. It's a shitty conversation anyway. Let's talk about top stacks. <laughs> and <laughs> let's talk about some top stacks. I, I'm willing to admit when things go poorly. So, Matt, this week the Rams have – oh, wait, hold on. We got an updated top stacks run, right? Boom. Thank you, Alex. you the man. We have free content on the site today. Uh, I will tell you in and, five. Yeah, we do. NBA player projections mm-hmm. and NHL player rankings. Tomorrow night, too, if you're not a sub and you're, you know, maybe you're in a bad way or you're just frugal or you don't like us, either one. <laughs> The NFL single game top plays tool tomorrow is free for the showdown site. And Matt mentioned, it's not just all the probabilities, but it's all of the ownership as well. It's like everything baked into one tool. So you don't need a sub for that. If you want to remember anyway, uh, top stack probability through the roof for the, for the Rams this week, Eric at 26%. And they still have a 19% leverage score. Yeah, pretty much the thing that uh, I know Matt Gajewski has been wondering, am I in on Odell Beckham once again? Yes, I'm playing Odell Beckham once more. I won't be probably as heavy. I took a really overweight approach, mainly because I thought he'd be low owned. I think one big play might pop that a little bit more, but you look at that top stack percentage, it's ridiculous the amount of volume that exists here for this Rams passing game. You know, even Daryl Henderson getting there through the air. So 26.2%, really hard to kind of get away from them. Tampa Bay, uh, I, I would still call it a distant second, 10% less at 16.3%. And then it falls into the doldrums there at 6.5% for Minnesota. So you're looking at two very concentrated offenses on the top end, making up over 40% of the top stacks here. Almost half the time, the Rams or Tampa Bay are going to be the top stacks. So I'm going to be heavily invested there for sure. And you know, don't forget about Van Jefferson as well. He's a guy that saw a ton of volume there last time out against Green Bay and I think going forward, you're going to see uh, something very similar. Uh, I just really like getting to both of those cheap guys as pivots off cup. Ram stacks, Matt. And what else do you like at the top here with our top stack probability tool? Eric, the consummate professional, makes everybody wait till the end of the show to give his Odell Beckham take. I, love I like it. that. Wise. wise. Very wise. Calculated, I, one might say. I'm very interested in the Rams, too. Their leverage score is just so positive compared to everybody else. And there's actually only five positive leverage scores at this point during the week. So it just shows you how under owned the Rams players are at this point going against Jacksonville. And even if you think all their touchdowns come via the runner, whatever it is, you want pieces of this Rams team. They're all coming in under owned right now. Outside of that, it looks like there's going to be some positive leverage with two teams. I'm particularly interested in Arizona, and that's going to come a lot down to just the status of Kyler Murray. So I won't belabor that point. But I think for the third week in a row, I'm going to try to buy low on this Seattle passing attack with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. We've seen over a larger sample size that this is an efficient offense. It just hasn't clicked for the last three weeks. With ownership coming in lower this week, this is a spot you could potentially buy low in tournaments. 
Can I just ask you? It's not that they haven't put it together. It's is is Russell Wilson still not injured? I know it's hard to say yes or no, but something seems wrong, Matt. Like wrong with Russell Wilson right now. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what it is. Is they move the ball fairly well against Green Bay? Two red zone interceptions kind of torpedoed most of their drives. They were two of eight on third downs in their next most recent game. And then to be honest with you, I don't really have an honest answer for what happened in the last games. There were, there were times where Russell Wilson looked pretty good. And then like when he connected with Gerald Everett early and then it just torpedoed from there, the rest of the game was a complete disaster for the Seahawks. I, I, it's hard to say if he is still hurt, that would explain a lot of this. But like you said, I, I just don't know at this point. But the further we get away from injury, the better I feel. So I'm hoping it regresses positively. Yeah, that's the that's a that's an interesting way to look at it for sure. If it is the injury, how much longer is it going to bog him down? I just want to throw one out there. Get your guys' opinion, then we'll head out because Jordan filling in today and uh, taking time out of his day. We appreciate him for it. Shout out to our boy Jordan Klein. Hit that thumbs up for him and uh, give him a huge super chat. It's like a thousand dollars. He asked me to say that. I'm not, I didn't, I didn't want to say that. It, I can't honestly, even see his face today. To, Why is it so dark? I, I don't live know. in Los Angeles too. What's going on? He's embarrassed about asking for a thousand dollar super chat. He deserves it. He deserves to be embarrassed. You mean? Well, both. Yeah. Uh, both. I'm just kidding. So, what about the Minnesota? I can't even tell if he's mad at me or laughing right now. Because <laughs> did you hear he agreed to producer cam yesterday, though? That's awesome. Yes, yes. he did. Oh, yes. yes. Yes, he did. Yes. It is about damn time. Well, we got to fix. We can't have him come on. Actually, that might be even funnier. Hang on. Stand up. Stand up quick, Jordan. There we go. If Jordan see, came we can on see like that. There it is. Yeah, Just it is. Hang on. He, he could do this every time that something happened. Yeah, there like one of those. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Chat, chat and the viewers the need to experience this. Like, Jordan, it makes the show good for us behind the scenes. What do you guys think of Minnesota? And let me just set the table, get your opinions here, and then we can then we can bounce. But, okay, so I think Madison's ownership probably comes up a decent amount, right? Like, I think he's probably going to be pretty chalky. Justin Jefferson right now, and I know you already pointed out, Eric, projected well below somebody like Cooper Cup. Uh, Thielen getting minimal ownership, Conklin getting virtually no ownership. Is there an argument to be made that if Alexander Madison ends up being mega chalk, that maybe against this Detroit team, a Minnesota stack that has a slight positive leverage score right now could be a pretty solid pivot in some non-Alexander Madison lineups? I'll, I'll start and then I'll let Gajeski take us home. Where do you think Kirk Cousins ranks on PFF's graded quarterbacks for the season? I would think high, actually. Second. Yeah. He is the second Amazing. highest rated quarterback. Played well. He's played very well. The Vikings defense is complete. You know what? But I, I definitely like Kirk Cousins going forward here. I think having Dalvin Cook off the field as well. We have seen some massive rushing volume in those two games here for Alexander Madison in relief of Dalvin Cook. But we got to kind of take that with a grain of salt. Seattle, who just hemorrhages yards in every single way imaginable. I do like San Francisco's passing offense, by the way, this week. And then uh, we've got against Detroit as well. So those were the two games for Madison's starts. And, you know, you're going to probably go nuts in both of those places. Kirk Cousins really makes a lot of sense here on the road as well in Detroit. Same spot. You can even pair him with Madison. I have no problem getting to all of that this week. Matt, any thoughts on this or any other stacks that are worthwhile? I like that a lot. I mean, one of the few with positive leverage, there's easy leverage points off of an extremely chalky Alexander Madison. And even last week, Justin Jefferson typically coming in a little higher on than Adam Thielen. So if you want to play that, you could run the tight end out. Conklin, if you're double stacking, there's a lot to like there. As far as some contrarian ones, I think this could shift through the week if like Arizona doesn't have Kyler and some situations like that emerge. But I, I'm still interested in like Cincinnati. There's a lot of really interesting contrarian spots there. You can always go with like a Tyler Boyd or like a Jamar Chase coming off a down week where T Higgins scored like his third touchdown of his career. But Cincinnati is one I'll point to if the top stacks will change a little bit throughout the week. Good stuff. Wait, did you say that it was his third touchdown of the year? For, or, that was a, it was a joke. T Higgins never scores until we all, we all don't play him. Oh, I um, know. 
I actually said before Sunday that, hey, T. Higgins is good, but he's just, you know, 10. The range of outcomes for him is 10 to 13 fantasy points, and then he pops off for two touchdowns. So it is what it is. Anyway, appreciate you guys hanging out. Thank you, as always, to Jordan Klein for producing this show. Hit Matt up at Matt underscore Gajeski. Eric at Eric Linkwist on Twitter. Myself at Lafayette underscore D. And stick around. Ton of stuff coming up throughout the day. Big NBA slate. So uh, deeper dive, live before lock, all of that good stuff, and a bunch more right here on the Awesome DFS channel. Peace. Peace.